Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tyres. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule podcast. We get it. I'm very pleased to say, myself and Lindsay Hooper, of course, bringing you your podcast again. But um, our other member, Kate Borsay, has been out of it for a little bit, literally, with a lovely new son that we've welcomed into the world and is back on the pod, raring to go. Welcome back, Kate. Yeah, my friend didn't quite call him Poddington. He's called Arthur instead. Um, but, uh, yeah, very nice to be back. Nice to be feeling normal, actually, because it's quite easy to get absorbed in the world of a newborn. So having you girls around today, you've had a few cuddles. You've topped up on the old um, serotonin baby-inducing hormone levels, whatever they are. Um, and now we're raring to go and raring, raring to get cracking on with it. So we have plenty for you today, Kate. Whilst you may have been missing from the pod... You've definitely been on top of your football. We know this. Now, the offside rule is brought to you, of course, by Continental Tyres. And let's get on with all the topics of the day. So today we're going to be discussing memories, memorabilia and managers. The gift of charity. It's that time of year when we all like giving. Well, Mario Goetze has given away his World Cup winning boot. And it raised, this is just one boot, by the way, €2 million Euros at a gala charity fundraising event. Um, bids for it and the left boot reached a whopping just under £1.5 million. Pounds. That is quite remarkable. Um, the treasurer for a Heart for Children described it as overwhelming. So we're carrying on the child theme. There are those less fortunate than Arthur that will, of course, be receiving all of this money. So we're going to be looking at other football memorabilia that's gone on sale to raise lots of money for other good causes and maybe kind of weird items as well that have been auctioned off and gone to sale. We're also going to be discussing Christmas shopping. It's that time of year, isn't it? Up and down the country, people hitting the shops, buying each other Christmas presents. Which managers are in search of presents at them? We're not talking about wives and girlfriends, no. We're talking about football players. Things are hotting up. Games are coming thick and fast. We pretty much know what's happening in the Premier League at the moment as far as who needs to do what and where. So as the transfer window opens up at the end of this month, some clubs are in need of new players. Who needs who and to strengthen where? And let me hazard a guess as well. Despite having a baby, Kate, and obviously having to... No, no, I haven't. Haven't you? Because I was going to say, I bet you she's further ahead with her Christmas shopping than I am. No, no, I'm, I'm very behind with my Christmas shopping. We're in my spare room at the moment. I know it looks like I've done loads, but I haven't. It's all baby gear. I know who has done all her Christmas shopping. That's the one and only organised Miss McQueen. Yep, of course. <laughs> of course. I've got nothing else in life to do other than a shop. <laughs> And watch football, of course. Well, my cup is always half full. It's a half empty, half full situation. So we're going to start the podcast by discussing examples of cup upsets, recent and past dramatic last-minute FA Cup goals, because non-league Bly Spartans, they scored a last-minute winner. It led to the sacking, of course, of Pool's manager Paul Murray after just 44 days in charge. In Scotland, Alloa produced a stunning comeback to beat Rangers 3-2 and book their place in the training cup final. Yes, OK, they're in the same league. They're not complete underdogs, but Rangers are actually leading in this semi-final tie. They had a 2-0 lead. Kenny Miller... Dean Shields, a really, really strong side. 
and they conceded three goals in 17 minutes and Alloa then progressed. So to me, that is a bit of a shock. So we're going to have a look at some other shocks in the competition, maybe even from this season, looking right down the leagues or from seasons past to jog your memory about why the Cup is so special. And we'll start with you, Lindsay. OK, well, I'm going to go from personal experience and personal memory. I'm, I've revealed on the podcast before that I once upon a time was an announcer at Chase Town Football Club. <laughs> I do have a little bit of a a good luck touch as well, might I say. (laughs) What? (laughs) Only you, Lindsay, would proclaim on a podcast that you're basically a good luck charm. Well, let me just justify this. I joined Liverpool TV last season. I spent six months at Liverpool and they finished second and qualified for Europe. And I never saw Liverpool lose when I worked there as a presenter. I think that was Louis, not Lindsay, that contributed to that. I think it was Suarez and I think it was Rogers. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then when I joined Chase Town Football Club, I only announced for them for one season. They went on an amazing run in the FA Cup. This was going back to 2007, 2008. <laughs> um, I know that I'm... <laughs> You're also laughing at the fact that you've gone from Liverpool to Ch- Chase Town. <laughs> yes. I'm also laughing at the fact that I'm trying to proclaim that any of these victories were anything to do with me. Um, um, but let, let's go with Chase Town's run. They went on an absolutely blinding run, kept on winning. And around the Midlands, they were making local paper back headlines, everyone talking about Charlie Blakemore's Chase Town. Um, I went there just to occasionally do some announcing of players. And Hang on. Apparently, they went on this amazing run because you were the announcer. Now you're saying that you occasionally did some announcing there. There was a massive flaw in this story. Well, it was myself and someone else. Anyway, we both we both were good luck charms, obviously. We did one game each week, like every other week. Was it like you and Zippy or you and Rod, Jane and Freddie or someone? It was myself and Paul Burrell, who's actually the announcer now at Wembley Stadium and Arsenal Stadium. One of us went on to do very well in the announcing world. One of us did. Didn't. Um, anyway, um, he he was brilliant, but he he occasionally gave me games to cover, and and I ended up doing quite a few of the FA Cup run ones. And um, so we saw Chase Town keep getting through, keep getting through, and eventually they got drawn against Cardiff City. Dave Jones was in charge at the time. Huge, huge game. Now they didn't win, but it was amazing that they got to a tenth hurdle. Because you talk about these teams that are so far down the football league pyramid, it had taken them ten victories to get to that game against Cardiff City. They lost three one. And one of the memorable things to mention about that game, and it's only just come back to me now, sort of jogging my memory, was there was a midfielder at the time, seventeen years old, playing for Cardiff. I saw for the very first time he scored. On the hour mark, a header has gone on to play for Arsenal. Big name, Welsh connection, Cardiff City. Do you remember who that would be that I saw for the very first time? Aaron Ramsey. Yes. Yes, Aaron Ramsey. Uh, he was brilliant that afternoon. Are you laying claim to Ramsey's career as well? Because I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it wouldn't go beyond me. No, stop it. Of course I'm not. Um, but Aaron Ramsey, saw him for the first time, thought that he was an amazing player. The sad thing to say from a Chase Town point of view was that after that game and after they got so far in the FA Cup, Charlie Blakemore lost a lot of his players. People came in from other leagues higher up wanting to take some of, some of their star names. Wowzers. Well, there you go, folks. 
folks, if your team's struggling, just give <laughs> just give Lindsay Hooper a call. Get her down your local stadium announcing and they'll be on an FA Cup run before you know it. Um, let's pick up on the Cardiff connection. Cardiff, uh, one of those teams that caused a giant killing. We'll go back to 2002. This is when Cardiff were in the old second division. We know that they've risen through the league. So we're talking um, two tiers below the top league at that time, Premier League. And the Premier League leaders, Leeds, played Cardiff at Ninian Park and were knocked out of the FA Cup. Cardiff made their way through to the fourth round in 2002 after upsetting Leeds, who were at that time top of the pops. Um, the ultimate combination of a last-minute goal and a giant killing, uh, you only have to go back to near recent history, 2013 final as Wigan scored the only goal in injury time against Manchester City uh, to win their first major trophy in 81 years. If you're looking for the ultimate combination and in a final, it's so rare sometimes to get that drama in a final. There have been a few very famous instances during the years, um, but to have that in such recent history, brilliant. And I just wanted to give a quick shout-out, actually, um, to conference side Dover, who beat League Two side Cheltenham um, last weekend. Um, Cheltenham's still in transition, Paul Buckle taking over there, um, but nearly kind of a last-minute uh, goal, I suppose. 83rd minute um, defender and uh, captain of Dover, Connor Essam, uh, scored to send Dover through to the third round. So uh, nice to see some representation from conference sides and non-league sides. So you mentioned there Dover, of course, uh, beating Cheltenham, um, conference side Chester as well, getting through to the second round of the FA Cup. Um, League two side Cheltenham with a 5-0 win actually after that against a 10-man Swindon side who are third in League One. You've got Cambridge United of League Two also caused an upset by beating League One opponents Fleetwood 1-0. It was an exciting match at the weekend as well. Gateshead, yes, it was a big one up north. Uh, They've waited a very long time, especially the chairman, Graham Wood, because he actually watched as a schoolboy Tottenham against Gateshead, where Gateshead beat them 2-0. That's right, 60 years ago that was. So he's dreaming of his club facing another big name. The third round door, of course, um, being made and securing their place uh, with Sunday's very straightforward victory. It was over Warrington Town. Now that would have been a big, I can't really say giant killing because Gateshead aren't giants, but a lot separates both Warrington Town and Gateshead, but really good uh, to see that uh, they were progressing. They actually beat Exeter in the previous round, Warrington Town. They were completely non-league side. Um, So Gateshead, they joined the non-league neighbours Blythe Spartans, which sparked off this topic uh, into the third round there. So who knows this season? And actually, I was reading another article, the stats go to show that there are more lower league sides beating Premier League and Championship opposition in the last two, three seasons than have ever been before. And you think the gulf of class between them both and the fact that, you know, the the money and the earnings are such a big difference between them now that you'd think it was even less likely, but actually it's slightly more likely. But does that say anything about the higher teams not putting an emphasis on these competitions because that's that would be in my mind. You look at Everton who are having a bit of a mixed season, aren't they? Um, not a very good season in the Premier League but doing well in the Europa League. It's like they can only really, some of these clubs that are sort of below your Manchester Uniteds and your Liverpools and your Arsenals and Chelsea's and Man Cities. They they really struggle with the with the calendar, don't they, the to do both and yeah. getting the balance right. So I think as a result, you'll see less and less of your mid-table Premier League teams doing well in FA Cup competitions. Listen to the Offside Rule We Get It on Audio Boo, iTunes, and via our website. Offsiderulepodcast.com.
We also, as well as this podcast, have a preview and review show of the Champions League and Europa League. So also uh, get downloading and we'll round up everything that's been happening in the Champions League and Europa League. Um, we don't know what the results are yet, but by the time this comes out and by the time you listen, <laughs> we'll be able to tell you everything. More details as well, of course, are on our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. There's a Twitter page, there's Facebook as well. So I'm sure you can find us. It's pretty easy. So yes, with thanks to HTC and UEFA uh, who support us on that and um, the website address is a specific website for this and the Euro content will continue by the way um, over the festive period offside rule hyphen European football.com well moving swiftly on on the shopping list as I mentioned I've done all my Christmas shopping things just need to be wrapped and placed neatly under uh, my tree which is already up it was going to go up on the 1st of December but it, it took me a few days to get my head around actually buying a tree have you been to a German Christmas market because that would that would feed in nicely with my answers that are coming up I went in November <laughs> yes girls I did up to Manchester did all that but yeah well, have a little look doesn't have to be specific players but have a look at clubs that we think at the moment are going to need to strengthen in January maybe somebody did a lot of business in the summer didn't think they'd be delving into the market in January in those sales to pick up players but through injury or um, underperformances and the position they're in in the league may actually need to start thinking really seriously about strengthening to make sure uh, that they don't drop further down the leagues I think Everton and Arsenal, for me, my two teams, I'll go into a little bit uh, more detail. Uh, Focusing on the Premier League here, uh, but uh, Kate and Lindsay, take it away with who you think needs to do what, where and why. Um, I'm going to go then, as soon as I tease with the German Christmas market theme, with Bundesliga players. Not all of them are German, um, but we've heard quite a lot of rumours throughout the season of a couple of players in particular that could be moving to the Premier League in January. I'll be very quick on those two because we've already read all the headlines about them, but Marco Royce, he's been linked quite heavily. Chelsea manager Jose Mourinho has ruled out Chelsea going for him, but there's still a potential that he could be going to either Arsenal or Liverpool. And Mats Hummels as well from Borussia Dortmund. Um, 25-year-old international has been getting a lot of attention, hasn't he? Will he end up at Arsenal, potentially? Arsenal with one of the teams or Manchester United? Yeah, I've I've got him lined up to go to Manchester United. In fact, that they've been sniffing around him for ages. And if he goes, I think he'll go to Manchester United. Because I think, I mean, granted, one club who's going to spend a lot of money is Manchester United. We know that Van Gaal's got the budget and we know that he's looking to sign some real landmark, more real landmark players. Well, this is my little supermarket dash and I'm just going to have three purchases in there. Starting with Shakiri, um, who plays at the moment for Bayern Munich. Only 23, the Swiss international. And you may recall, Kate, say being a Liverpool fan that Liverpool were in the hunt for him earlier on this year yeah they were it's it's a tricky one with Liverpool because we kind of need to strengthen in a lot of areas but we also need to focus on our defence and possibly some sort of defensive mid as well I think I can see Liverpool going back in in January for him Um, this is a player that's sort of out of sorts with Pep Guardiola not the not the number one choice but he has made eight appearances so far this season most of them coming as a substitute he's managed just 310 minutes of league action which I think makes him keen to make a move away I believe it was was it 20 million euros the bid that went in from Liverpool that was rumoured to have gone in earlier on in the year I think we could maybe see them getting him at a lower price um, in January. So I'm going to put a, maybe a price of 16 million. 
around his neck. I think it, I think it might be a bit reduced now. Um, also, um, two other players in Bundesliga who could be making a move. Let's talk about strikers because there are a few teams that really need someone up front. Let's stick with Liverpool because I think Liverpool and Arsenal will be fighting it out for Schalke's Jan Huntelaar. Um, Dutch striker, been linked with quite a few English Premier League clubs. He is 31 years old, so he is towards the end of his career, um, but probably still got two or three seasons left in him. Scored seven goals, managed three assists to his name um, so far this season uh, for Schalke. Doing really well there. I think he could be England bound. And then I'm going to go for a Hoffenheim player as my final purchase, Roberto Firmino. Um, I think that he, a young Brazilian, um, plays in midfield, can play right, left and in the middle. So it's a pretty central player. I think that he could be one to look out for at Manchester United, Haley. I think they will be quite likely to sign him um, or any of the other uh, sort of top six teams who are looking for someone in midfield. But I would have thought that you were you were sorted in that area. But it seems that the links are quite strong from United. I th- it's just unfortunate at the moment that United have so many injuries, so you start to panic. But actually, the injuries a few weeks out when they come back, they do have a pretty solid squad. We've got to remember Robin Van Persie's age and the fact he's not going to be around. He's not going to have a season like last season, next season. But yeah, United, with um, Blind, um, Lingard, Jones, Shaw, Di Maria, all out injured uh, as, as I speak at the moment. Some of them due to come back within a week or two, which will be great considering the busy uh, period there. But I, I do think Manchester United uh, will be signing players. And Kevin Strootman um, from Roma, is, is one of the players that have been linked, but apparently uh, Manchester City are knocking on the door as well to try and get him there. 24-year-old midfielder. Uh, lots of uh, Spanish clubs linked up uh, with Arsenal midfielder Santi Cazorla. He could be going the other way, but Arsenal will not want to be losing any players with the situation they're in at the moment. Jack Wilshere, we know, is going to be out for three months at least. Uh, Debussy, Ozil, Ospina, uh, Arteta, Riziki, Morial, all out injured, but again, when they come back, they will be like new signings, but I still think Arsene Wenger does need to strengthen. Apparently he's eyeing up a move as well for a midfielder from Lyon called Nabil Fakir. He's just 21 years old. So again, looking to some of the young players. I don't quite know if he's good enough. He's going to cut it. Maybe someone to come in and act as a bit of a squad player for other competitions. Marco Royce, I think, will be the big name. If he's going to move, will it be, Manche- on, will it be Manchester United? <laughs> Could it be Liverpool? I'm not too sure. Those are just a few of the things that I, I, I've read recently that are some of the more realistic um, things for me to briefly mention Everton um, I think they just need a whole new team to be fair <laughs> no. moving on my one Christmas wish by the way if I was to have any wish at all I'd exchange all my House of Razor vouchers for this that I've asked for for Christmas Marco Royce to Liverpool please I'd happily you know I, th- I think I'll probably make about £160 in House of Razor vouchers I'll gladly give them up <laughs> I think I think that Liverpool will be adding a few more noughts on the end of that <laughs> although House of Fraser I'm sure those vouchers will come in handy I would I would give them up for you, Marco Royce. Um, we know that Manchester United have money to spend. We know that they also need to uh, look at their defence, as do Arsenal. So let's take a look at Arsenal's defence and who they might bring in. Before we do that, Jackson Martinez, striker from Porto. What a great record so far. The rumours surrounding him leaving Porto just won't quieten down. And his record this season 
means that he enters into that elite group of players who could potentially go anywhere. 16 goals in 19 appearances in all competitions, 10 in 12 league games. He's on form uh, and we know that he is angling for a move. So expect possibly Jackson Martinez. If he doesn't go in January, he'll definitely go during the summer. I love how you were hedging your bets. So expect it possibly. (laughs) Well, I was going to say that because we haven't mentioned, of course, that January is the time when people get carried away. Over the last few seasons, that's kind of petered down a little bit. Last season, however, 2013-14, the most expensive player, Juan Mata. He left Chelsea and went to Manchester United for £37.1 million. Does that fill us with confidence about this January transfer window? It doesn't. So I'm going to pass over to Hayley then and say, on your Sky Sports totaliser, do you think it will be a record new high for January or not? No, I don't think. I think it'll be very clever. I think like us girls rushing out to buy shoes and handbags and all the fun things in the January sales that you don't really need. We're getting a bit wise to it now, aren't we? The sales and the novelties kind of worn off. But I, I no, I don't predict it will be, but I think there still will be some exciting signings. Quick other couple of defensive mentions for Arsenal because we know they need to strengthen there. We know that both Arsenal and Chelsea like the look of Musa Sissoko from Newcastle. Um, could that mean that Abu Dhabi's time is up at Arsenal? Who knows? Possibly. Um, Tyrone Mings plays for Ipswich. Um, apparently they want £10 million for the left-back. Uh, could be um, that Arsenal take him, but play him at centre-back, I think. And what a great story that is. I mean, he's made his rise through. Mick McCarthy was given him as a tip by a scout, uh, gave him a chance at Ipswich. He's flourished he doesn't want to leave Ipswich actually so maybe that won't happen Uh, on Liverpool James Milner has been linked to Liverpool I think that could be a great move for both parties Stephen Jarrod we know hasn't quite settled into that defensive mid role we like him when he's further up the field he prefers to be further up the field could James Milner sit in that spot comfortably possibly he could Manchester United let's carry on you've already mentioned Matt Hummels Nathaniel Klein moving from Southampton quite whether they'll let him go or not is another matter but if someone waved £20 million at them would they release him possibly they would fullback Danny Alves we know that he's going to leave Barcelona but if Barcelona's appeal to the Court of Arbitration of Sport is not successful uh, and their transfer business is limited then he'll probably stay there it has to be said but if not um, he's 31 he's knocking on a bit but uh, but a right back um, maybe arguably not exactly what United leave but if he had the chance you probably would wouldn't you Watch videos and hit subscribe to our YouTube channel Offside Rule TV Well, I wouldn't mind two million euros to my name to spend for Christmas. A lot of it I'd spend on myself, but maybe some to others. Would I be buying Mario Goetz's World Cup winning left boot? I probably wouldn't. But if I had the money and I was rich enough, then yes. To know that it goes to a really good cause, a heart for children is just fantastic. So I've been looking at some other examples of memorabilia and sporting things that have been auctioned off to raise money for a good cause or maybe even some selfish causes or maybe there are footballers at the moment who are finding themselves a little bit skint and actually need to get rid of it to raise some um, funds just purely for themselves because they didn't invest wisely as a player. So, Kate, let's start with you. I love this. How would you like to have bid for Alex Ferguson's final bit of chewing gum? (laughs) I, I don't get this. You see these things on eBay. How do they know it was his number one? Who picked it up off the floor or out the bin? Uh, this is just ridiculous. No one buys this stuff. Sure. But it's for charity, so I'm going to knock you down with that oh, and say it's, it's for a good cause, Lindsay Hooper. Um, apparently, a supporter um, scraped the piece of gum up from the Hawthorns after Fergie's final game uh, that saw Manchester United take on West Brom. From the Hawthorns? Yeah. 
So it was probably someone like Cyril Regis's, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they decided to cash it in for charity, popped it up on eBay not long after the game, and it raised... How much do you think it raised? Oh, no. I know it's for charity, but it shouldn't have raised anything more than minus five pence. £390,000. That's a house, and then some in several parts of the country. Uh, So well done to that person for taking the initiative and raising some money for charity. Why not? Not so well done to the person who's got some spit-ridden, old, stale bit of Fergus chewing gum in their drawer. There's a couple of things that I could collect en route when I've been pitch side in the match day stuff. So I've been very close proximity to Sam Allardyce, who likes his chuddy as well. So I could get a piece of that if you want me to auction that off and make some funds for the offside rule. Have you ever been spat on by a manager, like by accident whilst you're talking to them and they've been vocal? Have you ever been sort of slightly spat on? Yeah, yeah. Rinse it off and sell it. (laughs) Yeah, I should have done. Put it in a bottle. And talking of bottles, I was thinking Maurizio Pochettino, I don't know whether you've seen him at Spurs with the water bottle. He throws it down every two seconds and it came near my feet the once. I could have picked that up. It would have had his finger DNA on it. Jose Mourinho, he threw two Premier League winners' medals into the crowd at Stamford Bridge when they um, uh, had that great victory against Manchester United 2005-2006. I think he just got carried away and chucked it in to the crowd. Two lucky sausages. I'll tell you what, they made an absolute mint from them. The first one sold for £21,600, the other one for a little bit less. And afterwards, uh, Mourinho gave one of his great quotes and he said, I think the person in the crowd who got the medal is a lucky guy who goes home with a fantastic memory or goes straight straight to eBay and makes a fortune. Well, we mentioned David James, didn't we, at the beginning? It was really sad that he's found himself in some financial troubles after going through a divorce and making some bad business investments. But he actually did um, sell some of his belongings. Um, it is quite sad, but he got the money that he needed for some of these items. And actually, football fans got some you know, pieces of history that they wouldn't have otherwise uh, got. It would have just been sat in David James's garage for goodness knows how long and things up in his wall. So, yeah, there were things like bikes and his record collection. But as far as the football stuff that went, the most expensive item that he sold, which was football, uh, it was a shirt. Unfortunately, it wasn't David James's shirt. It was the shirt of an opposition player that he swapped. Um, It actually went for £3,831. It was Petr Cech's goalkeeping jersey, uh, worn by, of course, the Chelsea stopper during an FA Cup final and a win against David James playing for Portsmouth in 2010. I've got an issue with David James auction because actually it was a pretty rubbish auction if you don't mind me saying jmo okay because peter check's shirt well no (laughs) but i but but i'm being familiar because i'm about to slate the auction okay (laughs) dot 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 okay now check's shirt may have raised over three thousand pounds david james puts his england shirt for their one nil win over argentina into auction that was back from 2002 that's a pretty significant Mm. shirt right how much does that raise 672 pounds i'd be a bit gutted Uh, i'd be even more gutted knowing what sir alex ferguson's chewing gum made (laughs) Uh, When he played for Liverpool, his goalkeeper's jersey that he wore during the 95-96 season sold for £160. That's that's not much, is it? An actual shirt's about 60 quid anyway from the club shops. Well, I was thinking that. That, That's not too much above the rate card for that shirt. Not only that, the very really bizarre thing about that auction um, was that he also auctioned off a customised Vauxhall Astra van. (laughs) And when you look at the picture, it's like some of your local painter and decorator trundles round in. (laughs) Nothing against painter and decorators, by the way. But really bizarre auction for me, that one. Let's bring you a story which is beautiful. It's very visual. We'll post some pictures up. But flags, scarves and shirts have been sent in all over the world 
lots of different colours, local clubs, big clubs, uh, people just making them themselves. And they were actually tied around the edge of the stadium, or the edge of the pitch, I should say, at Bursco FC. So these scarves were tied all the way around to raise money and to create the longest chain of football-related items in the world to raise lots of money. It was going into the Guinness Book of World Records, and it was all to help um, a lovely young man called Alfie Lund, and his dad has set up this charity um, to try and break a record. He suffers from a syndrome called MECP2. It sounds very complicated, but sadly, it means a little boy really struggles to walk or talk and has profound and complex learning difficulties. Parents really struggle with this and really struggle for the care to help the children. So they decided to set up a charity, but didn't know really what to do or how to go about it, and he stimulated by colours and patterns and of course the football shirts really help them in seeing the colours on the pitch and so they decided to get all these different um, uh, shirts and it kind of went viral and his dad put up this message on on, um, Twitter and there was a little video on YouTube and people all over the world saw it and started to send in their shirts because they wanted to be part of this campaign Um, so this actually just happened a couple of weeks ago in actual fact and by the end of this month we'll know whether it was actually the longest chain of football memorabilia well, I say memorabilia, football shirts all tied together. But it did go round the whole of the edge of the pitch um, before Bursco FC played and raised so many funds to help the parents who were struggling with this really awful disease to raise money just to sort of inject a little bit more um, help into the life and, and, and really help the kids. I'm going to take the topic and go with the gift of giving, not so much the charity side, although Faye Carruthers could be deemed as a charity because Faye's been on the podcast before. Um, and we're going to talk Secret Santa's Girls. Um, have you taken part in any Secret Santas this year? No, I haven't. No, I haven't either. Well, Faye Carruthers, last year, um, lovely Faye, you should check her out on Twitter. She does lots of different football reports. Um, she actually was the recipient of a very thoughtful Secret Santa. Now, let me give you up front what the budget was. It was only a fiver. So that's all, she, all that this, these people had got to do. Five pounds. So I've just been to a Christmas do where there was a secret Santa and there was a lot of what I would call last minute purchases. Yeah. You know, a bottle of wine, a bit, few chocolates. You don't often hear of a work secret Santa where some real thought yeah. has gone into the gift. But lovely Al, who's one of the editors uh, that myself and Faye work with, last year got Faye... The 1988 Littlewoods Cup final programme of Luton versus Arsenal because Faye's a huge Luton Town fan. She was so touched by this. She wanted to find out who the secret Santa was. Obviously, you're not meant to reveal. She eventually tracked it down to Al and just said, thank you so much. I was not expecting that. Check out exclusive football content daily on OffsideRulePodcast.com. Um, is that it? Are we pretty much done? Yeah, we are pretty much done, but we're not done with offering you plenty more. Of course, you can go to our uh, Twitter handle, which is at OffsideRulePod, the YouTube channel, the Offside Rule TV. Head to the website, OffsideRulePodcast.com, and give us a like on Facebook at the Offside Rule. Uh, thank you for listening. You've either been listening via audio boom, boom 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 <laughs> Or through iTunes. Either one. Thank you very much. And if you can't get to one, then you know you can always head to the other. So thank you. We shall see you very soon for a very special recorded podcast with HTC from a pub. A pubcast. Woohoo! Brought to you very soon. Over and out. Yes! Oh, yes! The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tyres. 